you know there's something really special about the love of a mom, right? You've heard of the term mommy bear? That is a real thing. The mommy bear thing is real. Am I right? Anybody ever been on the other end of the mommy bear thing? <laughs> it's, it can be rough. <laughs> you know, there's something about the love of a mother. And so we're doing a series right now called Who is God? And I've just felt like talking about the faithfulness is a, is a really significant thing because the faithfulness of God is compared in certain sections in the Bible compared to the faithfulness of a mother and the love of a mother. And we know that that is deep. There's a story um, from an earthquake. Uh, It's from the Mashiki earthquake. I don't know if you've ever heard this. It's a legend. And unfortunately, I can't show you the picture because there's a copyright law. But there's there's this picture of they're pulling this woman out and she's, she's like, like, like worshiping. I mean, she's kneeling down and leaning on something. And they went to rescue her after this earthquake. And they went, and when they touched her, they realized that she had had perished. And so they kind of left. And then the rescuers thought, oh no, we need, we need to go back. So they went back and they found that under her hunched over body was a, an infant that she was covering and protecting and she had texted on her cell phone, and it said, if you can survive this, you must know that I love you. That is the love of a mother, that she was willing to take the, the weight from this building collapsing in on her, and it, it crushed her, and yet her baby survived because of the love of a mother. And I also know that because of sin and because of people's humanity, there are those, those of you who, you, you didn't experience this. Um, you didn't have a, a loving, nurturing mother. And we're going to talk today about the faithfulness of God and how God can fill in the gaps. And God can supersede even, even those deepest needs that we have for that love and affection. But, I mean, for the most part, can we all agree, moms are pretty faithful, right? I know there are exceptions. How many of you had a faithful mom? If she's in here, I'd suggest raising your hand. (laughs) She'll ground you or something, cut you out of the will. Um, In 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, it says, but we were, this, this, they're talking to this church at Thessalonica, and we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our, our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. See, this is comparing the love of a nursing mother to our God, who is so faithful, and to the ministers of our God. Right? There is something so precious about being given the opportunity to minister to the children of God and to love them and to cover them and protect them and provide for them and nurture them. Um, and so th- that, that is what the love of God is compared to and the love of those who, who minister in the name of God, who really actually do minister in the name of God. I heard a funny quote, um, behind every successful man is a really surprised mother-in-law. <laughs> but never a mother. (laughs) Why is it that kids, when they get hurt, they run in the house, and what do they yell? Mom. 
mom. Why? Why is it mom? Why isn't dad? Somebody first service said probably because the reason that they're hurt is probably because of dad, (laughs) which is very legit. Um, There are over 330 mentions of mothers in the Bible. Eve was the first one. Her name means life. Eve means life. She is the mother of all the living. There was Sarah and Rebecca and Hannah and Mary, and not all of them were perfect. If you read through the Bible, you you read in these stories, not all of them were perfect. And as a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, when you read the stories about the different kings, oftentimes, if they were counseled by their mother to do evil, the kings would be evil and they would lead their nation in a wicked manner. But if the counsel of the mother was for righteousness, then they would lead in a righteous way. Isn't that so interesting? You can read several stories throughout the Old Testament about that. But the the mother kind of set the tone. The mothers often set the tone in the home. You know, the Bible talks about the keeper of the home. You know, um, what's the saying? Ain't mama happy and ain't nobody happy or something like that. Something like that. And I just want to say, I want to, I want to address you moms. And, and for those of you who haven't been able to conceive children, I, I, again, I'm sensitive to that and I understand the pain of that. But for those of you who have children, either still under your care or, or grown and gone, um, be nice to yourself. Let yourself off the hook. I think the number one thing that the devil uses, and I do believe in a devil... Jesus talked about him, and I believe that his whole, like, like Chase was saying, he wants to steal and kill and destroy. And one of the, the main things that the devil, I believe, uses in mothers is guilt. And, you know, the Bible says that he gently leads those that have young. That was one of my verses that I clung to as a young mom, was he gently leads those that have young. And I think, you know, your goals as a mother are, number one, just keep them alive. That's a good place to start. Because <laughs> some days. <laughs> um, but then the second thing is to point them to Jesus. Now, you're not responsible. Ultimately, the Bible says that to each man's own master, he must stand or fall. And God is able to make him stand. But it does not say that as parents, we are accountable. Unless we are in some way sinning against our children. But as believers in Jesus, our job is to point our children toward Christ. And, and, and trust that the Lord is sovereign. And we are not accountable for the choices that our adult children make. Um, but one of the other jobs of, of parents, and particularly mothers, is to help children to discover who they were created to be. You know, the Bible talks about training up a child in the way they should go. And so that's one of our jobs as parents, is, is to define our children and to, to show them who they are. And that's actually consistent with uh, our life world dream. We believe it's important to grow your life, to impact your world, and to live your dream. And that's why we exist as a church, to help people connect to God at a deeper level and to, and to grow in their relationship with him and to be able to have influence in those around them and to be able to live their dream. And I think it's so cool. Um, next week, so we're doing, we're going to have that glory performance. I'm also going to be speaking after that. But um, I had coffee with one of the young ladies who was one of the co-writers. And I was talking to her about her dreams and, and what she really believed that God had called her to. And one of her dreams was she wanted to be a playwright. She wanted to write screenplays. Isn't that so cool? So these kids are having the opportunity to come and use their gifts and their dreams and their talents to glorify God. 
Um, you know, the, the Bible for me as a young mom um, was such a great parenting manual, especially the Proverbs. For you young, young moms who still have kids at home, the Proverbs will give you great wisdom and great guidance. And so I just suggest that you know those. And again, he gently leads those that are with young. Um, it says in Isaiah 49, 15, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, and yet I, the Lord, will not forget you. The Lord is... Compared to our moms, compared to faithful moms, the Lord is so much more faithful and loving. And the word for faithfulness in the Old Testament is a Hebrew word, chesed, which is loving kindness. It means faithfulness. It means um, constancy, all of that. It's, all, it's used in different ways. But in this particular passage, it's, it's talking about um, the compassion, which has to do with its roots are in even in the word womb, you know, which I think is really cool because it's saying that even if a nursing mother could forget about her baby, the Lord will never forget about you. And I believe that today there are those of you who are struggling to believe God's promises. And what, what my hope is and my desire is, is to help you believe again that God really is who he says he is and that he really is faithful. There are accounts of covenants throughout the Bible. There are approximately 280 of them that where God makes these covenants and makes these promises to his people. And it says in Psalm 145, it says that all of his promises are true, that God never breaks his promises no matter what it looks like for us. No, despite how things look in your situation, God, God will always keep his promises. Always, always, always. And you know, one of, the, one of my favorite analogies of, or word pictures, I guess, of the, of the Lord is that um, it's like, you know, where, have you seen the bumper sticker? It says, God is my co-pilot, right? No, God is not your co-pilot. Jesus is not your co-pilot. Jesus is the pilot, He's the airplane, he's the landing strip, he's the baggage claim. I mean, he is the ticketing office, he is everything. And so instead of saying, oh yeah, well, we're kind of sharing the responsibility, really what it means to lose your life for the sake of, of the kingdom and to, and to really trust God, one of the best ways to show your trust in God is to get out of that driver's seat in your life and get in the back seat, in, that little, in the little car seat in the back, where you have no idea where you're going and let him strap you in there and don't whine. Okay? Those of you with little kids right now, you really understand what I'm saying. But that's what it means to trust God is to get out of the driver's seat and say, I am not in charge anymore. We're going to talk about this a little bit more later. But the, but the Lord is true. His promises are true. We can trust him. And his promise is that he is going to always do everything for our good. Everything God does is motivated by his love for us. All of the promises of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenants. And so we're going to talk about that. But one of the things that, about the Lord is that, you know, all of his attributes are 
he has all of them all at the same time. Like he can't be one thing without being all of the things at the same time. But we, because we have finite minds, can only understand one concept at a time. So for example, if you're needing guidance, um, then the Lord will, will reveal himself to you as a shepherd, as a guide. Or if you're needing protection, he'll reveal himself as the Lord of the armies. You know, or if you're, if you're needing um, comfort, he will, be, he will be a God of all comfort. Or if you're, if you're anxious, he will be the Prince of Peace to you. And he can be all of his characteristics simultaneously, but, but reveal only certain ones to us at, the time, at, at one time based on our need. And so, so for today, we're talking about faithfulness. Um, and it says in Isaiah 66, as one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you you will be comforted in Jerusalem. And I clung to this promise this week. And there were several times I had to say, God, I know you are faithful. I know you are faithful. You know, because last weekend was very emotional for me. It stirred up a lot of probably post-traumatic stress from when my husband passed away two years ago. And I, I had to keep going back and saying, Lord, you are faithful. I know you are faithful even when things don't look like it. You know, it says that, that he will show himself faithful to those who long for his returning. And that's me. I'm longing for his returning and he is coming back. Woo! How many are glad for that? <laughs> there is the if factor. I want to talk about the if factor. You know, you hear like on these shows, you have the it factor. I'm talking about the if factor. This is if, the ifs of God's faithfulness, ifs concerning his faithfulness. 1 John 1, 9. Well, let me back it up. 1 John 1, 8 says that if you say you don't have any sin, that you're deceived and you don't know the truth. And then it says in, in verse 9, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, this puts the onus on him, but we have to humble ourselves to the point where we're willing to confess. And all that confession means is to agree with what God already knows. You know, and it's not this kind of blanket thing, well, I'm Irish, so I drink too much, or, you know, or I'm Italian, so obviously I have a temper. It's, it's not that. This is talking about confessing, admitting to God. Whatever that thing is that just came into your mind right now, it's that confessing that thing. God, I know I cheated on my taxes. Please forgive me. Or God, I know I've been having lustful thoughts at work. Please forgive me. Or God, I know that I'm I'm not expecting the best of my spouse. Please forgive me. Or whatever it happens to be. Or I know that I'm prideful. Or I know that I'm greedy. Or, you know, whatever it is. To confess it to the Lord. Because it says here, He is faithful. If we, if I confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is a fact, but this is what the enemy of our souls wants to do. The enemy of our souls wants to say, you know, you confessed it that one time, but that wasn't enough. That it's, it's not that easy. That's just not that easy. False. It is that easy. I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy to confess. But 
if we sincerely humble ourselves and confess how we have fallen short of the glory of God, how we have not acted like Christ, as we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. So when the enemy of your soul comes back and starts trying to remind you of the sins that you've already confessed, you've already humbled yourself, and if you get those thoughts in your mind, that is not from the Holy Spirit. Okay? Tell the person next to you, that is not God. Don't talk about their hair that way, but that is not God. But if you really sincerely confess your sins, God has promised to be faithful, to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So rebuke those thoughts when they come into your mind, when they say you've gone too far, you've done too much. What you have done is beyond what God can forgive. And for some things, you have got to take that next step and confess it to another human being. Because the thing is that with forgiveness and confession, when you confess to the Lord, you have to also follow it up with, Lord, and show me how to get this right if I need to. Show me if there are steps I need to take, if there are people I need to confess to or repent to or whatever. And then his promise is that he will cleanse you but I know that it's difficult. I mean, I know that it's hard to, to admit. It's hard to confess. By the way, admission and confession are different. Admitting is like, yeah, I did that. Confession is humbling yourself and understanding that you've sinned against God. Like it says in, in Psalm 32, it is against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Um, in 2 Timothy 2, 11, it says, the saying is trustworthy. This means pay attention to this. Pay attention. This is important. It says, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. Okay? What does this mean? What does it mean if you've died with him? Sounds kind of morbid, huh? What this is talking about is getting out of that driver's seat, laying down your life, losing your life for the sake of the kingdom of God, allowing the Lord to become the Lord of your life, giving up your own life in order to be used of him. That's what this is talking about. And it says that if we've died with him, we will also live with him. Remember, Jesus said that, that if we die to ourselves, that, that we will find our lives. And he says that he will give us the abundant life. So if we lose our lives for his sake, we will live an abundant life. And it says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. On Friday night, we uh, had our young adults gathering. For those of you who are um, considered young adults, 18 to question mark, 57. Um, Okay. Um, We meet the second and fourth Friday at the Lee's house. And we were talking about what it means to endure, you know, to continue even when you've lost heart, to continue to put one step in front of the other, even when you don't feel like it, even when you're exhausted by your pain and your trials, to still continue to believe that God is who he says he is, even when you don't see it. And I find it very interesting that the Lord doesn't feel any obligation to explain to us the path down the road. He says that his word is a lamp to our what? Feet and a light to our path. He doesn't ever feel obligated to say, you know, here's your five-year plan. Right? Anybody else notice that? He'll give you your next step, your next step of obedience, which will lead you to your, ble- your next blessing. But if we endure, it says we will reign with him. That means if you don't give up, if you don't quit the race. 
I ran track in high school, and there were times where I'd just be like, oh, you know when you start to taste pennies in your throat? <laughs> Not that I eat pennies, but what I think pennies would taste like, when, you, when you're just so exhausted, your body's so drained, and you just, I'm going to keep going. I have to keep going. And it says that if we endure if we believe God is who he says he is, if, if we remain with him, even when it's hard, if we trust that he's faithful, we will reign with him. It says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Remember Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. So it's saying that if we endure, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, which means we don't believe that God is who he says he is. We don't believe in his promises. We've, we've lost hope, perhaps. Or we don't know what his promises even are. We don't even know what the Bible says of all of the promises of God. But it says that if we're faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. See, the thing is, God is not like us. We were created in his image, but we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of his glory. So here's what the gospel is, okay? If you've never heard it, now you're responsible. Now you're accountable. The gospel is good news. It starts out with bad news, but it ends up with good news. The bad news is we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glory. Every single one of us, except for Jesus Christ, every human being has sinned and fallen short of God's glory, which means not being perfect, not being as perfect as God. And it says, but if we confess our sins, again, confessing, admitting, I need a savior. I'm helpless. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. And that's why Jesus Christ went to the cross because he was perfect and he offered the sacrifice for my sins and for your sins so that you could be reconciled with your creator, with your maker. And it says, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So that's the gospel. If you have any questions about it, I would be happy to talk with you about it after the service today. But keep in mind, God is not like us. He is perfect. He cannot deny himself. He cannot be faithless. He always hopes, always trusts, always perseveres. He believes. He's yearning for us to return to him, to come back to him. And the faithfulness of God is not conditional. Okay? God's faithfulness is unconditional, but the blessings are. The blessings are conditional. That's why he has, if we do this, then he will do this. If we do that, he will do this. If we lose our lives, we will find our lives. If we are born again, we will live forever with him. We will rule and reign with him. That's his promise to us. It's always interesting to me when I hear people, they get really mad at God because they're like, well, God isn't hearing my prayers. And it's like, well, are you like honoring him? I mean, are you living for God? Oh, well, no, but he's not... He's not blessing me. It's like, mm, well, I mean, and, and please understand that I'm not saying that, that you have to do everything perfect or God's going to be so mad at you and he's going to reject you. That is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can earn your way to heaven. What I'm saying is that if you want to live the blessed life, if you want to be blessed with peace and forgiveness and joy and blessing, you have to do it his way. You can't just 
you know, come up with certain things that you think, well, I think this is probably how God is. I mean, I heard something really disgusting last night. So Hugh Hefner, who is considered the father of porn in America, said, I'm pretty sure my God's okay with how I live my life. I mean, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I'm just like, I'm pretty sure maybe God is not okay with your life. You know? I mean, we create this image of how we think God should be, and if it doesn't match up and line up to what we think God should be, then somehow God's wrong. You know? Do you know what I'm saying? How people get mad at God when they're not being blessed, but they're not living. Okay, I'll I'll stop there. (laughs) I just think it's, I think it's so ironic, you know, and I, I mean, I did the same thing. I used to do the same thing. You know, I was just living my own life, living for myself. I was, I I was kind of a VIP sinner. And I just remember, you know, as soon as I got in trouble, then I'd pray. It's like, I wasn't living for God at all. As a matter of fact, I was doing a lot of things that were really contrary to the way that he created us, created me. And, and yet I'd get mad if he didn't answer my prayer. So ironic. But the Lord is, again, even when we're faithless, even when we don't believe that his promises are really what they really truly are, even if we don't believe it, if we're struggling to believe that that God can heal our marriage, or we're struggling to believe that that prodigal will come back, or we're struggling to believe that God has good things for us in the future, or that he can get us out of financial trouble, or whatever that thing is that's weighing on you, that you're saying, God, I don't understand He is faithful, even when we don't get it, even when we don't understand, even when we're faithless, he remains faithful because he can't deny himself. And that same, that same God who has promised never to reject you, never to leave you, never to forsake you, to forgive you and to cleanse you, that same God wants you to believe again today to trust him again even though all the evidence seems to point against the fact that he is faithful can you stand please father we thank you that um, your love is compared to the love of a mother who's doting on her child lord lord we thank you that you are perfect in all your ways lord we thank you that you receive us, God. And Lord, that even when we're faithless, you remain faithful. Lord, and there are those here today whose hearts are really burdened and broken. And Jesus, I ask that you would remain faithful. Lord, you would show them how faithful you are that you heal the brokenhearted, you bind up their wounds. Lord, that you are the provider, God, that you are the Jehovah Jireh, Lord, that you are the one who will provide for all of our needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Lord, that you are the God of all comfort, that you comfort those who are afflicted and broken and hurting. Lord, that you are the God of peace, you are the Prince of Peace, that you will give peace to those who are anxious. Lord, you are the healer. Lord, that you are the God of the armies, that you are the 
king of all kings. Lord, I ask for each and every need and and that characteristic, God, that people need today to recognize in you. But most importantly today, God, I pray that you would show people how faithful you are. For those who are doubting right now, God, I ask that they could believe again. Restore their faith, Lord. Give them another image and another evidence that you are faithful. If you are here and you have never um, received Jesus into your heart, you've never received the forgiveness that he offered on the cross, I shared it with you today. It's the gospel. Um, We're going to all pray together. Um, We're going to do a responsorial prayer, but I want to just ask you, if, if you open your heart up to the Lord for the first time today, we're going to have some people up front that you can pray with. We'd really just like to help you in your journey. But can you just repeat after me as I pray? Will you repeat after me? Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves. We know that you are good. You are faithful. You are forgiving. You are loving. Even when we don't deserve it. We admit that to you we have sinned I have sinned I have not honored you in my thoughts in my words in my actions and I am truly sorry bring your conviction Lord that draws me to repentance because you're kind Thank you, Lord. I receive your forgiveness. I trust you. Show me your faithfulness. Help me trust. Help me trust again. In the name of Jesus. Amen.